Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, so we're going to go to Romans chapter 15, beginning with verse 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brothers, that you, are, you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Now remember that Paul is writing right now to people uh, that are in Rome. He hasn't visited them yet. So he's writing this letter. He's hoping to come and see them, but he's also, remember, is mentoring them through his letters. So one of the things that you see here that I myself am confident concerning you. One of the things that we as believers, and remember, get in the game. We want to be actively participating in the body of Christ. We don't want to be spectators. We want to be on the field playing. And that field, of course, is life. And life at times we know isn't a game. It's serious business. Okay? But the most important thing is our confidence doesn't come in our abilities. It doesn't come in our uh, brain power or our muscular strength. It doesn't come in our willpower. It comes in our confidence in God. That's the main thing, that we put our confidence and trust in Jesus. Talking about full of goodness and filled with all knowledge, these are some fruits of the Spirit that you can find in Galatians 5. This is something that we don't produce on our own. It only comes as a result of ourselves abiding in Christ. And in verse 22 of Galatians 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And in the uh, two that I mentioned, kindness or goodness, are in that verse 14. Verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you in some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. Now, remember Paul formerly known as Saul, was persecuting Christians. And on that road to Damascus, in Syria, that same Damascus that is over there today, and remember that prophecy that still has to be fulfilled, is one day Damascus is going to be a heap of ruins. It's going to be destroyed. That Damascus that exists today, Paul was on his way to to persecute more Christians. Not only persecution was going on, but Christians were being murdered. So during this trip, Paul really encountered the grace of God and the mercy of God. He thought he was doing God's work, but he wasn't. He was going against God, and God knocked him down. He blinded him for a few days. Sometimes you and I have to be blinded to the things that are going on in this world in order to see Jesus. 
Sometimes we have to go through things to make us see more clearly. And Paul, that is grace. That was grace that was bestowed on him. Remember, grace, the acronym is God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus coming to this earth, dying on the cross, living for 33 years in the skin and flesh and bones that you and I are carrying around right now that can identify with us in all things, was tempted in all the ways that you and I are tempted, but he didn't sin. And we see right here with this verse that Paul is writing about God's grace. He knew God's grace. He knew God's mercy. Paul should have been toast. He should have been toasted on the road to Damascus. But God extended him his grace and his mercy. Paul responded. And as we know, he wrote over half the books in the New Testament. So Paul experienced that grace and mercy of God. And he's writing boldly to these believers in Rome because he knows, like you and I, we're going to go through the trials and tribulations of life. But it's important we're plugged in and we know God's word. Because the enemy is distracting the world with everything else. And we need to know the real truth. God intervened in Paul's life and changed it forever. He has done that to your lives. Or he wants to do that to your life. If you allow him to, he will. He'll rock your world spiritually so you'll never be that same person again. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter. Like I said on Sunday, we're all his kids. We're very young in the light of eternity. In 1 Corinthians 15, 8-11, it says, Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. This is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. There's another parts of Paul's letters where he says, you know, who are you following? Is it Apollos? Is it this guy? Is it that guy? Is it me? Don't do that. We're all following Jesus Christ. Paul, remember Sunday if you were here, Paul's name means, do you remember? Small. So Paul, even in his own eyes, was small. When he was Saul, he was puffed up and proud. He was a religious leader. He, th he thought he had all the answers. But it took an intervention by God's mercy and grace to show him his smallness in, in everything as a human being, as a spiritual person. So it is with you and I. We're small. We're big in him. We're small outside of him. And that's why God calls us to always abide in him. 
Romans 1.5 says, Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. We have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for Him. You and I are His disciples. Every place we go, we have an influence. Whether we say something or not, we have an influence. We are also, or should be, in the game like Paul, realizing that we really have an influence on the people that God sends in our path. Whether it be our church family, our family at home, extended family, or in our business place or schools. Verse 16. That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Now remember, Paul was a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, we see here that God called him to be a minister to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. And he did one heck of a job because he was passionate about what he was doing. He was in the game. He was a key player. He wanted to be a key player. Do you and I want to be a key player on God's team? That's an important question that individually we each have to answer. And again, please understand this. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. It doesn't matter your age. We can all minister to people in our lives that God sends us. And notice, what is Paul ministering? He's ministering the gospel of God, the good news that this isn't all there is. That we're, we don't have to be lost in our sins, in our stressful moments, in our anxieties. We don't have to have a hopelessness. See, there's no hopelessness in an empty tomb. There's no hopelessness. They put Jesus in there. The tomb could not hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. We should be full of hope because we serve a God of hope. We serve a resurrection God. Now notice also in this verse 16 it says that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see a little later some of the things that Paul was referring to about the offering of the Gentiles. But I want to take it spiritually first because later on we're going to see it in a material way, in a visible way. But spiritually, this offering is like Romans 12, 1 and 2 that we saw, must have been about 10 years ago when we were in Romans 12. But in Romans 12, it talks about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, being holy and set apart for the Lord, and not being conformed to this world, but being transformed, being renewed in the spirit of our mind. And this was what Paul is referring to here, that the offering of the Gentiles is a living sacrifice separated unto God. Before, they were separated to the God of the world, the flesh, the devil, their own needs. But now they've converted to Christianity, where Christ is the center. Or they're Messianic Jews, that have received Christ. And now, they're being offered 
Just like every day, you and I should be living sacrifices throughout our day to be a light to the people we meet in our lives who are hopeless or destitute or despairing. That's why we're here. God could take us home and we'd be in paradise, but he's decided to still leave us here for a time to impact the world for him. And of course, all of this doesn't happen unless in the last couple of uh, words of verse 16, that everything is sanctified by God's Holy Spirit. If the Spirit's not in it, there's no life. There's no fruit. But when the Holy Spirit is in it, and you're elevating Christ up, people will come to Him. Now this particular word, minister, if you look in the Greek, in this verse 16, there's nowhere else in the uh, Greek New Testament that you can find this particular meaning. Remember the Greek words like for minister, that has different meanings, but when it's applied to this particular passage in verse 16, it means to perform sacred rites, to minister in a priestly service. So you and I, when we understand that when we're in the game of life and we're sanctified by the Holy Spirit, you and I are ministers of Jesus to a hopeless, dark world. And who is hopeless and dark? Anyone who doesn't have Jesus Christ as the light of the world living in them. So you go before these people in the world like a priest. A priest is some, simply someone who speaks to God on behalf of the people. Or God speaks to you to tell the people. And we have a great message to give people. You have the opportunity to live forever in paradise with Jesus Christ and all people who have put their trust in him as a result of what he did on Calvary 2,000 years ago. That's good news. The bad news, if you don't do that, you're not going to paradise and you're not going to be with brothers and sisters and children of God. You're going to be separated and isolated by yourself for eternity. So there's bad news and there's good news. And the choice is ours. The choice is theirs. But how are they going to know unless somebody tells them? And the Holy Spirit will lead you into those areas. Think of John the Baptist. He was first sent to the Jews. Jesus' ministry was mainly to the Jews. The apostles' first ministry was to the nation of Israel. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, it says, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, Jesus didn't ignore Gentiles, okay, if there was, and there was interaction was with them, but the main focus of Jesus was on the nation of Israel. Matthew 8, 5, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, 
The centurion was a pagan. He was a Gentile. So Jesus didn't isolate just the Jewish peoples to be ministered to. He ministered to the soldier who sought him out. In Matthew 15, 22, we see another non-Jew that Jesus interacted with. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Down in verse 24 of Matthew 15. But Jesus answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Remember, the Gentiles were looked at as dogs by the Jewish people, a majority of them. And here the woman, realizing that, says, even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus' response was, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Another non-Jew who Jesus interacted with. In Luke 24, 47, after the resurrection was the start of the apostles' ministry, and where did they begin their ministry? Right in Jerusalem. Where do you and I begin our ministry to get in the game? Right in our home. Right in our neighborhood. Right in our workplace. And you know what's one of the easiest ways to start your ministry in those areas? Pray. Intercede on behalf of those people in your home, in your workplace, that don't know the Lord. Go after it with a vengeance. Don't just say, okay, I prayed for that one today. Seize the moment. Wrestle for that person's soul. Be passionate about that person or people that you're praying for. In, that, in Luke 24, 47, it says, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 1 to 7 talks about the ministry to the Jews or the Jewish convert, converts. So you're seeing in the book of Acts, chapter 1 to 7, there's a ministry going on. You're in ministry every day of your life, or should be. If you want to get in the game, you have to understand you're in ministry all the time. It's not just certain places. It's everywhere. It really is 24-7, 365. You should be ministering to the Lord in the middle of the night when you're waking up, just praising Him, talking to Him. You should be ministering throughout the day, praying for people. The kindness and good deeds that flow out of the fruit of the Spirit being transferred through you is part of that evidence of God working in your life. In Acts chapter 10, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8, we see the gospel going to the Samaritan people who are a mixture of the Jews and the pagan people. Jews and pagans married each other. So you have the Samaritans in Acts chapter 10 where the ministry was going to. In Acts chapter 13, 
through Paul's ministry, it went to the Roman Empire. Can we get that picture up now, guys? Is there, if you have that one picture? Now, we're going to leave that up there because I'm going to refer to it a couple times. But Paul's missionary travels was all over there. Like everything you're seeing, you see the little uh, uh, boxes with the black squares. All that, those regions Paul went to. That would be hard for us to do today, traveling. We would have to travel on planes and cars, sometimes boats, to get to certain places. Paul only had a boat. He had his feet. He had horses or another type of animal transportation. Think about that. Because what I want us to see tonight is Paul was in the game fully sold out for Jesus Christ. He was passionate about his Savior. Yeah, he went to temple. You know, he went to temple a couple times a week. But that's wasn't his, that was part of the ministry. But his ministry was to touch people outside of the church. See, you're here tonight or on Sunday to get built up, to get prepared for works of ministry that God is laying out for you every day of your lives. Sometimes we're very aware of those. Sometimes we miss it. We don't want to miss it. Because we, when we miss those opportunities, we're bypassing a live, flesh and blood human being. And we don't want to do that. We want to touch that world before we're out of this world. We want to make a difference in this world that's hurting, it's dying, it's hopeless. They don't know the truth. They don't know the way. And they don't know that the life is in none other than Jesus Christ because Satan has done a tremendous job in counterfeiting Christianity in the United States and throughout the world. And it's going to take true people to stay the course. And people will follow because they see Jesus in you. Why did God choose the Jews to bring salvation? God's choice. He's God. But remember what took place. For a while, the Messianic Jews were doing a great job. And then there was a group of just Israel in general that was not into the Messiah. They were still and are still looking for the Messiah. So Jesus said, okay, there's going to be a church time, a church age. And we're in that church age right now. And the question might be from some of the Jewish people, well, why are the Gentiles bringing salvation now to the world? Because it's God's choice. And then, how come at the end of time, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists, passionate men, who are going to go throughout the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Messianic Jews. Why the Jews? Well, two reasons. One, it's God's choice. And second, we the church are going to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb. 
while the evangelism is going on here in this world to try to save the lost before God comes back with us to set things right here on this earth. It's all part of God's design. And remember, things aren't falling apart in God's eyes. Things are falling into place. It's just how God has planned it. It's part of his design. In John 4.22, it says, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. All right, let's go back to Romans 14, verse 17. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus, in the things which pertain to God. Now, what is that glory? What is Paul saying here? I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God. Basically, he's saying, I'm boasting in what the Lord has done. I'm giving him the recognition. I'm giving him the honor. It has nothing to do with me. I'm small Paul. He's almighty God. I'm boasting in everything he's done. It has nothing to do with the minister. It has nothing to do with me or you. It has to do with Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, going through you. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body. I'm sorry, this is Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. God is previous to you and I. He's been there, done that. He knows what's coming. He's got it all wired. We just need to be connected. We need to be abiding. Let's look at that word glory a little more. Something that brings honor, praise, or fame to an individual. A distinguished quality. There's the word, um, one of the words is doxa for glory. It means honor and praise. There's another word, kabod, meaning honor also and reputation. So this glory is all about the praise and honor and the reputation of God. Not our glory. Sometimes you see the athletes, they hit a home run, and some of them are Christians. And they'll cross home plate and they'll point up, giving the honor to God. It's all about Him. And some will come across and be pointed up and they'll tell you, oh, my grand, that's from my grandmother. But the believers, they're given the glory and honor to the one who deserves it. None other than Jesus Christ. Okay, let's look at Romans 14, 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things with Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. Paul is speaking from experience, not theory. He's speaking about his walk with the Lord. You know, each of us have a walk with the Lord that is a valuable part of our testimony. You don't have to live 
through someone else. God has his story right in you. Since you were a little baby all the way up to the present time, he's been working in your heart. You have that experience and the people that God will bring in your path. You don't have to sweat it. It's part of your personality, the way he's made you. And he hasn't made all of us the same way. But he's calling each of you to be a minister of Jesus Christ through his gospel of good news. By being an example of goodness and kindness. Pointing to Jesus Christ as the one who saved you from the path of destruction. Because he's done that. And he's not finished with you yet. You're still growing. I'm still growing. But Vinny, I'm, I'm almost 75 years old. But you have eternity. You're like a day old. But you're like a, a, sec, a millisecond old in the light of eternity. You've got to understand that, everybody. This is temporary. Time is going to fold up. Your age means nothing. Your heart and God's Holy Spirit in you means everything. Get in the game. What's your excuse? Losers make excuses. Jesus is a winner. We are champions on his team because he's done it all. Verse 19 of Romans 15. In mighty signs, now check this out, God wants to do things that get people's attention. Why? He loves us. He loves the lost. If you're a believer here tonight, you were once lost. Something took place in your life for you to get saved. God shook you to wake you up. He likes to shake to wake. He does that because He loves you. He cares for you. So He does signs. He, he reveals Himself to others through signs. And he, we have a, God's love letters here that we can see the miracles He's done to get the attention of the people at that time. And he still does miracles today. And I'm going to talk about that one in a second. And going back to verse 19, in mighty signs and wonders, he creates wonder in people. You know, did you ever wonder what would have happened when you were traveling a major highway and you couldn't find your car keys and you were traveling and you come upon an accident that might have happened if you had your car keys at the right time? Do you ever wonder about things like that? Do you ever wonder, I wonder if I chose this profession, what would have taken place? Or if I did this, what would have taken place? I want to recommend a book to you. It's, it's called Unbroken. I think Hildebrand, Laura Hildebrand is the author. 
And it's about a man who just passed away this past July. I believe he was 98 years old. He was a World War II veteran. You can go on YouTube. Greg Laurie, Pastor Greg Laurie out on California who hosts the Harvest Crusades. Uh, it was either a, a year ago or two years ago. He had him right on the uh, podium and interviewing him. And this man was an Olympic runner. He was uh, um, in the service. He was shot down in the Pacific. He was in a raft for 48 days. Uh, he was captured by the Japanese, was in a concentration camp for two and a half years. Became an alcoholic. And you know, one of the things I just heard him say, I was because I was listening to the interview, everything that I just said to you, he said all those things it took for me to become the believer I am today. And I praise God for that. So he realized that all those bad things, and it's going to be a movie opening up Christmas Day about this man, a believer in Jesus Christ who's in glory now. 98 years he was on this earth, and I think 97, he was 97 years old when he had this interview. And I think this book's been out for about three years, but it's coming out again because of this movie uh, that's going to be released in December. So here's a man who got saved at a Billy Graham crusade back in the 30s or 40s, I think in the late 40s, ministering the gospel through his life. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. His main purpose, Paul, was to preach the gospel. That area that I just read from Jerusalem and ran about to Elycrium, 1,400 miles he's covered with no modern-day transportation that we have. What zeal and passion this man had. And he had some handicaps. But he did not allow handicaps to stop his Olympian spirit. I don't know his first name, but his last name, I believe, is Vukovic. Some of you know. Born with no arms and no legs. He goes around the world speaking to people who have problems, going into schools and talking to kids about self-image. He's just propped up. He has no legs, no arms. He's just here. You just see his, body, his torso and his head. Yet he swims. He drives a car. You can watch him on YouTube also. He's ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ without any arms and legs. He's about that big. What's my excuse? What's your excuse? We're winners on a champion's team. Losers make excuses. Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered death. Jesus is alive. He's coming back. 
with what He's given us, are we using it? Or are we burying it? Moses didn't think he could speak, but he ends up leading two and a half million or more people out of bondage of slavery to Israel. What's your handicap? What's holding you back? We tell our athletes their biggest obstacles. It's not the team we're playing. It's each individual on our team. That's the obstacle. But notice here in verse 19, the power of the Holy Spirit of God is the key. Abiding in Jesus Christ, knowing Him better each day than you did the day before. So He can release His Holy Spirit through you into a world that does not have His Holy Spirit or a relationship with Him. Now in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 26 to 28, it says, this is Paul again, writing this letter to the, a church to pump them up, to get them in the game, to help them to realize, hey, get off the bench, get on the field, let's get actively involved with Jesus. And here's what Paul writes in these couple verses. In journeys of ten, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils of Pauline, no, I'm sorry, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleep, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So Paul, besides all those things, he was having a great life. Put all those things aside, he was doing fine. But with all those trials and tribulations, notice it didn't stop him for his concern for all the churches and telling them things so that they could have the Holy Spirit to minister outside the walls of the church. And that's why we're here. You're the midweek people. You're the ones who come from, for extra practice. You're the ones who are working out more. God knows your heart. That's awesome. You are exercised to go out in the name of Jesus Christ to make an impact in your sphere of influence. Now, the miracles that are referred to in the last verse that we just read in Romans 15 were used by God to bring authority to the message and the messenger. If the bystanders saw this miracle of a man being raised or this lady who was demon-possessed for 10 years and all of a sudden she's in her right mind, people are saying, huh, I want to hear a little more about what this guy has to say because I know how messed up that lady was. Or, I know how dead that person was and now he's walking around. i got to listen to this person. But isn't it interesting that God is going to allow the Antichrist to work miracles, to authenticate the Antichrist message 
and himself in the end times? Think about that. Think about in the end times, the Antichrist is going to work some miracles that are going to get the attention of the people to authenticate his message, which is a deceptive message. We see in Pharaoh's magicians, some of us, they did a great job at sight and sound, uh, duplicating some of the miracles or some of the, some of the plagues that God sent to try to wake up Pharaoh and the Egyptian people. Well, Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate some of the miracles to a certain degree. But one of the things they couldn't do was to reverse the miracles once they did them. And Moses could through the power that God gave him. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, it says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Let me just say that one more time because I'm going to close in a few minutes. Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed of the things we have heard, God's word, when we sit under teachings or do our own personal reading. We have to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Now, if we're a boat and we're anchored, we're going to stay right where we're put. But if the anchor is cut, that boat, because of the current, is going to drift away from where it was anchored. If you and I don't stay in God's word, it's like cutting that rope and we're going to drift. And understand that what's coming, I believe in our lifetime, is things are going to be put out there that are going to get the attention of people and if you're not in the Word, you're going to think that stuff sounds real good. And that maybe your belief system was a little off, and you're going to be carried by the winds into different doctrines, and those doctrines are of demons. You need to stay in the truth so you know the lie. That's imperative, everybody. It's imperative. God does not want you and I to be faked out. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 2. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? So let's bring that right to us today. How are you and I going to escape? if we don't stay in God's word. If you're a believer here tonight and you took Jesus into your heart, you're saved. But do you want to be faked out and just be a baby Christian when things really begin to heat up in this world where there really is a separation of those who are for Christ and those who are following a false Christ? It's important. It's important to understand. Notice in ver what I just read, began to be spoken by the Lord. How important is God's word that we can speak it, we can understand it, and we can hide it in our hearts. And just like this verse here in Hebrews, those who heard it, were confirmed in it 
by what they lived and how they lived, how they ministered to each other. It was evident by the fruit produced. Last part of that, Hebrews 2, verse 4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Now we see in Paul's life, just Sunday, if you were here, Eutychus, remember Eutychus, who took the fall? Okay, he was brought back to life. Remember, Paul fell on him. There was a snake in the fire. Paul reached in, was making a fire, and a snake bit him. And Paul came out of that fire with the snake on it, and he shook it off him. And there was a miracle. It was a poisonous, it was a deadly snake. And he was with people, the natives of that area. And they knew he was going to die, but God performed a miracle and Paul lived. That miracle gave Paul a podium to speak to people about the true healer that we saw in the song tonight, Jesus Christ. He is the healer. Paul healed people of demonic possessions in the name of Jesus. He healed the sick through prayer. One of the things I said later on I was going to mention is the miracles today. There's miracles happening throughout the world. There's demonic people that are being healed. There's people that are having dreams and visions. And you might say, well, Vinny, we don't see many miracles here in the United States of America. Well, I'll give you some. A change in the behavior, behavior in the heart of people that were against Christ that are now firm believers in Christ. That is a miracle. When a person is walking one way and switch foot, they go the other way. They turn and go in the opposite direction. We're going to close there and we'll pick up um, next week on verse 20 of Romans. But I just want you to think right now. We're just going to close in prayer. Um, are you in the game? Or are you happy being a spectator? What do you want to be in the game? There are people that you meet every day that the person next to you or I will never meet, never have an influence on. Never. That person is put in your path. And like I said, pray for that person. That person might come out of the blue and say to you one, one day, you know, I just want to know, what do you think about what's going on in the Middle East or what's going on in our country? That's an open door for you to just share your beliefs. In a, in a natural way. Look for opportunities. If you know the people you're going to meet tomorrow are not going to be here the next day, does that increase your passion and your fervency for prayer and opportunities to be good and kind to them and to have an open door to share the gospel? Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. 
You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.